You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. New proposals for restructuring healthcare comes in droves these days as organizations work to secure their voice at the table of healthcare reform. In the small business sector, which in some states is the collective employer for upwards of half of the uninsured population, meaningful healthcare legislation would be welcome news. How do their efforts shape today's healthcare discussions? Our guest today is Dr. Bob Grayboy, Senior Healthcare Advisor for the National Federation of Independent Business, an association representing the interests of small businesses in today's healthcare debate. Welcome, Dr. Grayboys. Glad to be here. Well, we're delighted to have you. Maybe you could share with our audience the special problems faced these days by small businesses. You could say that just about everything that is wrong with healthcare, everything that people complain about, is worse in the small business sector. For our guys, we represent 350,000 businesses, and we like to think that we represent the broader small business community beyond that. Their costs are higher. Most of the uninsured in America work for or own small businesses or members of their families. They face what is, in effect, a dysfunctional market for health insurance. And these combined are a threat to the viability of the small businesses, to the jobs, to the employers, so forth. This really affects, I know we've heard a lot about Wall Street and Main Street, but this, you are at the heart of Main Street, are you not? Absolutely. I come from a small town in Arkansas and lived through years when the downtown sector, which was really three or four blocks, was a ghost town. So I have a special place in my heart for the health of small businesses. I come from a similar background, (laughs) small southern town. My parents were small business people, so me too. As we are all optimistic about a new administration and this, all the problems that we face, we are feeling, I guess, a, a greater sense of hope about succeeding in the next three or four years. What's the outlook for health care reform from the small business perspective? Well, first of all, at NFIB, we think the status quo is unacceptable. It's just not viable. The numbers have gotten worse, and they're set to get considerably worse in coming years. The cost of health care... The problems with availability of insurance for the workers threatens to kill off small business, which is the engine of job growth in America. This is really where the new jobs come from. There are an awful lot of people busy with health care reform in this city now and all over the country. And by the way, we have offices in every state capital because a lot of what's got to happen is going to be at the state level as well. But we have a process now where Associations all over Washington are busy forming coalitions, and if I be as part of a number of fairly unusual coalitions of non-traditional partners, you have a process just across the street here at the Capitol with Senator Kennedy, Senator Baucus. There's an interesting bill out there, bipartisan effort by Senator Wyden. We have obviously a new president who's coming in with a deep interest in this, who's named his Health and Human Services Secretary, and also, I think importantly, a budget director who has a, a long-standing interest and expertise in health care. I'm cautiously optimistic, uh, and I say cautiously because you can get to these points where everyone agrees that something has to be done 
but everyone's second choice is the status quo, and we're, we're hoping that that won't be the case this time. We would all like to have a revolution in healthcare as opposed to some sort of incremental change at this point. Well, mm. I guess we could haggle over uh, <laughs> what that means. I think certainly some aspects of it need considerable change, even drastic change. Uh, on the other hand, there is an awful lot of good about the American healthcare system that we want to preserve, and it would be easy to pass reforms that kind of sweep that aside. What would you most desire, and then what do you think realistically will happen? What kind of reform? First of all, things have to be made uh, affordable. I'll cite the budget director, who's well-known around town for citing a statistic that probably 30% of the expenditures on health care in the United States do no good medically. Now, that said, it's easy to say, well, let's just stop doing that 30%, but that's the problem of how do you actually weed out those procedures, those items of medical practice that aren't actually doing people good. And I'm not going to say it's, it's easy, and I don't think anyone would. But we need to make health care more affordable. We need to make it more portable. It's a serious problem when a person can't change jobs. In our sector, we're very interested in the fact that a lot of people working for big companies have the American dream. They want to start a new company. They have a brilliant idea, but they don't do it because they say, if I leave my job, I might lose my health insurance, or maybe I have a sick child, which again is indicative of a dysfunctional market for insurance. So we have to get portability into it. And I think we can do that. There are a number of, of different ways. We think it's important to preserve a system with lots of private providers and private insurers. We think competition is the best way to go at it. Things have to be made more transparent. Transparent both from the consumer, the patient's perspective, but also from the provider. Just had an interesting circumstance of dealing with an emergency room where I got immediate answers on what were the costs going to be, what were the likely outcomes, dazzling amount of information immediately. It happened to be a veterinarian's office, mm -hmm. and certain admirable aspects of uh, the way business is done there that you can't get in standard human medical practice. I was actually going to ask you if you were on vacation in the Netherlands or Denmark. No, I wasn't, <laughs> just, just for the dog. You raise an excellent point, though. I think a lot of people tend to ask, well, which system out there in the world can we kind of take off the rack and hang in our own closet here? And that, to me, that's not the way to go at it. There is no other system on Earth I would want that exists today that would fit comfortably with America, that would do well here. The other systems have problems at least as severe as our own. I spend a lot of time, we all at NFIB, we spend a lot of time looking at other countries' systems. There are some admirable things to see overseas, and there are some not-so-admirable aspects to those. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright. Our guest today is Dr. Bob Grayboy, Senior Healthcare Advisor for the National Federation of Independent Business. We're discussing the influences of small businesses on today's healthcare reform debate. Clearly, as the reform train gets rolling, there will be an impact on medicine. And as you've pointed out, medical practices are also small businesses. In fact, I think in cardiology, the predominance of practices are the onesies and twosies. We do have some large groups, and clearly in primary care, small groups are still the predominant model. 
what would you say will be the impact on both the business aspects of medicine and the practice aspects? I wear a couple of hats. When I'm not at NFIB, I'm an adjunct professor at a couple of medical centers at, at three universities. And a lot of my students are physicians. I have a lot of cardiologists who go through my classes. They are small businesses. They are struggling in the same way other small businesses are. I frankly was surprised to learn that some of them can no longer afford to supply health insurance to their employees. And I mean, the business, I don't know that, but that's, that's kind of a staggering fact when a health care provider can't afford the health insurance. And these are clearly people who want to do so, who feel compelled to do so, and yet their bottom line says, if I try to do that, I'm going out of business. Again, how do you get things affordable? Well, one thing I think we want to avoid is, frankly, having the government coming in with treatment algorithms that say, this is how you must do your practice, and you must not stray from the way uh, the folks in the bureaus have determined you ought to practice medicine. So we think it's it's absolutely crucial that the doctors have sufficient leeway. I think it's going to take a if you look at the revolution in medicine. I think the revolution really must come in first of all in health IT. We have a really antiquated system of information technology. The information flows are probably 30, 40 years behind a lot of other industries. And again, that's one of those things that's not unique to the United States. I think we're going to see increased reliance on electronic medical records, more transferable information from one provider to another. And again, the doctor is going to have to be in a position to do just as our veterinarian did, which was to say, at the snap of a finger, this is how much this procedure costs, this is how much good it will do you, these are the risks. So that today's very enlightened patients and consumers can make a judgment, an informed judgment. One of the other changes that we've seen in medicine is I think there's a, a sharp financial shift. Thirty years ago, a medical license was a piece of security for the rest of your life. You really didn't have to worry about the money. Today you do. And so as reform progresses, we have to make sure that doctors, in fact, can earn a decent living, a competitive living. And frankly, that means enough of a living that they don't abandon their practices and go go off to law school or go fishing or, or something else. Or retire sort. prematurely, or retire, yes. uh, which is a frightening concept that we're losing some of our most experienced practitioners because of the both financial and just the burden of trying to care for people in such a fragmented system. We have to be really careful. I had a, a young fourth-year medical student speak to a class of mine, and he was a, a kid really kind of up from the streets. I think the first kid to go to college in his family and going into medicine had been his lifelong dream. He made a comment that kind of floored me. He said he thinks at least 50% of the other students in his class no longer view medicine as a profession. They view it as a job, something they will do nine to five, and at that point they click the lights off and go home. And he was deeply worried that the changes in just the, the economics and the finance of medicine are going to fundamentally change the way doctors feel about what they do. And probably who is attracted, the type of person who's attracted to, to go into medicine. Absolutely. Maybe you could speak to our listeners about what an individual person, one of the nurses or the physicians listening, what role could they play in supporting small business and in small businesses' perspective on health care reform? 
actually we have a dedicated website www.fixedforamerica.com where we outline an awful lot of this an awful lot of the vision that we think that ought to go into health care reform the problems we have the needs that we have I think it's absolutely crucial that doctors who are coming along now understand the business side as well as as the medical side I don't think that a doctor 10 15 years from now is going to be able to function without a good working knowledge of the business side of it. And I know that's not a reason that a lot of the people in the profession went into the field, but it's one of these you know, time to saddle up because that's going to be part of life. It, and, and would you say the professional organizations, societies, uh, associations have a role in helping educate their members uh, about the business aspects of their career? Absolutely. I think, I think they do. And when again, when I'm uh, when at the universities, that's where I get the students. A lot of them come because they're they're aspiring to fill those administrative positions to to understand how how to run the business of medicine. And it is a business, and I know that grates on the nerves of a lot of doctors. But that really is something they have to recognize if we're going to get those costs down. And it's not just about dollars and cents. Getting costs down means making insurance and health care affordable to people who cannot afford it today. So the dollars and cents are really lives and, and healing. Well, and it's also employment for people in communities around the country who Absolutely. work in these offices. So. Absolutely. And one of the things I tell the students all the time is they have to be alert. The structure of healthcare is going to change. Uh, it has. We've we've seen lots of changes over the last couple of decades. The the advent of nurse practitioners as a substitute for certain services for doctors. Um, the introduction of uh, international medical graduates into the healthcare system uh, to fill fill gaps. I know certainly with primary care physicians now we have some serious problematic gaps and. Uh, I mean, right there. If you're if you're talking about a single problem, I think that's that's the one, because the you know, the PCP serves such an uh, absolutely critical role in the healthcare system, and we are short. And there's a there's something where if you look at some of our neighbors, the Canadian system, whatever, it's even more severe than, than the problem we face. So, uh, it's a worldwide problem. We have challenges ahead. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about current efforts of small businesses toward health care reform with Dr. Bob Grayboys. Dr. Grayboys, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.